0: The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. So this morning, um, we're going to return to... A uh, series of sermons that we've been doing on Christian conflict transformation. So if I can jog your memory back a little bit, just refresher. The last uh, time we looked at conflict, we looked at Genesis 3 as a blueprint for how God goes towards us with generosity. So as, as God uh, went towards Adam and Eve in the garden after they, they uh, sinned and, and the way that he showed them generous love through, through that conflict culminating in Christ coming towards us, that's how we are called to go towards others with whom we have conflict with. And so today we're going to take this a step further and say that, that the next thing that we have to pay attention to is not going towards, but another, another G word, going Godward. We go towards conflict with generosity. We also go Godward together. So let me ask you a question uh, to start off have you ever committed yourself to doing something that is incredibly unnatural for you very unnatural something that's very very difficult for you this would be you know the, the person who who has a sweet tooth right who the natural thing for them to do is to saturate their diet with cake with cookies with with chocolate frosties with sugar right however That is not the most healthful way to eat and to take care of our bodies. And so the the person would maybe commit to something that feels very unnatural to them, eating eating a garden salad, for example. You get what I'm saying here? Sometimes the best things for us are the most unnatural to us. And what we've been saying about conflict all along in this series, and what I I can't stress enough, is that if—is that— by engaging conflict in a Christian way will be very unnatural to us. Extremely unnatural to us. It goes against the grain of most of the way that we want to go about it. Right? And, and the fact that it is unnatural and that it is difficult and that it does take work is actually a marker that we are on the right track. It's natural for us to engage in conflict in win-lose ways. However, that's not what Christian conflict transformation is all about. And so we are, as a people, as as a body of Christ, we are committed to taking what is unnatural and working on it so that it becomes natural. This is the, the life of a disciple, the life of a learner. And so going Godward helps us to pay attention to the process by which the unnatural becomes natural. And so Jesus is teaching about this very thing in this passage about the vine and the branches. Jesus is telling us all about spiritual and relational growth or maturity. We could almost characterize Christian growth as, as taking what is unnatural and working on it so that it becomes natural to us. And so Jesus shares with us three things that are crucial for our spiritual and relational growth here in, in this passage. The first thing is to remain in the vine. The second thing is to commit to growth. And the third thing is to expect the fruit. So we remain in the vine, we commit to the growth, and we expect the fruit. So first, let's look at what does it mean to remain in the vine. Jesus uses an image of the vine and the branches when he's talking about our relationship with him. Look at verses 5 to 7 with me where Jesus says, I am the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and i in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing if you do not remain in me you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned so how many of us here know a thing or two about gardening Anyone? Any gardeners? A few hands going up. It's great, because that will come in handy this morning as we look at this passage. But there are two crucial elements of a relationship with Christ that are highlighted in this vine branches image. And don't worry, even if you're not a gardener like me, you can still learn from this. So what Jesus is saying first is that this this image of the vine and the branches tells us about how close and how powerful our, rela- our relationship with Jesus is. Think about the relationship between a branch and a vine. They are so—a a branch is so connected to the vine. It's so connected. And that's the exact same way that we are intimately and closely connected to Christ. We are incorporated into him. The way that the church has talked about this ever since its existence is through baptism. Through baptism, right? Paul talks about this in Romans 6 where he says that we were buried, therefore, with him. Think about—hear that image or that, that language, right? We were buried with him with, by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead— by the glory of the father we too might walk in the newness of life so it's it's this this baptismal imagery that paul is using in romans 6 that gets across how deeply connected we are to christ buried in his death risen in his life incorporated into his very existence and that's what jesus is getting at with this vine and the branches thing Whenever we come to Christ, no matter how old or how young we are, when we devote our lives to him, we have this type of close, close relationship. It is a more powerful relationship than anything that you have experienced in your— that you experience in your life in any other way. Closer than the relationship of a friend. Closer than the relationship between you and and your pet, believe it or not, right? Closer than a relationship between a spouse— this is a special, powerful, intimate relationship. And on a very practical uh, a practical level, this means that if Christ is in you, you are never alone. Never alone. You belong, body and soul, life and in death, to Jesus Christ. Let those words sink in for a moment. This, This is so powerful for us. We are connected to Christ just as a branch is connected to a vine. And the second crucial element of this image is not only that we are connected, but this is the way that we receive nutrients. Okay, so I told you that gardening knowledge would come in handy. Verse 4 tells us, Remain in me. As I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So, what, what Jesus is saying is that you, you have to remain in the vine if you want to bear fruit. There is no other way. It's either bear fruit by. Th- by remaining in the vine or bear no fruit and be thrown into the fire. Those are the options that Jesus gives to us. And think, think about this in terms of a little baby, okay? A little baby comes into the world and is completely, 100% reliant upon others to receive the nourishment that they need to flourish. Whether it's through a nursing mama or or a a bottle-giving caregiver, whatever it is, the the baby is unable to receive through itself the nutrients that it needs to grow and to flourish. They need the other in the same way that we need Christ. We are often under the illusion that we can do it ourselves. And Jesus is reminding us here that that is not possible. If we want to bear fruit— And that's a key word. If we want to bear fruit, we have to remain in the vine. We have been talking about fruit throughout this entire series. That is part part of what it means, Christian conflict, and living into Christian conflict well, is by clothing, we do it by clothing ourselves in Christ. By allowing the fruit of Christ to grow in us. Which means that we have to remain in him. We have to see that the only way that we are able to get the nutrients we need to produce this fruit is through a relationship with Him. It's, the, it's the, 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 the foundation, the root of everything that we're doing here. It's in Christ. He is the vine. We are the branches. Okay, so first, the vine, right? Remain in the vine. The second thing that we're going to talk about today is commit to the growth. If you follow the logic of this passage, Jesus is saying that, you know, I've said this, I'm just going to say it again. We are the branches and he's the vine. And it's through this relationship that we receive the power and the capacity and the ability to bear good fruit. But there's actually a step in between this. If you think of it, Tracy and I just planted some tomato plants. And, you know, we planted them in our, our you know, planters, our raised planters in, in the front of our house. And the next day... I was not expecting to walk out my front door and find juicy red tomatoes, right? That doesn't, that's not the way that this works, right? Even though everything is there, everything, you know, the, 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 the plant is there, the leaves are there, everything's there, but there's a step in between that, that takes place before fruit begins to emerge, and that's the growth. A plant needs to mature. A plant needs to grow in order to produce fruit. That's the step that's in between, right? So commentators that I read often uh, talked about our relationship with Christ and the growth that we need to experience before fruit begins to emerge. Two things that Jesus talks about in this passage help us to learn. How does this growth happen? Right? What are the things that we commit ourselves to that cause this fruit to grow in us, that cause this 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 growth spiritually, relationally, just as the tomato plant experiences that growth. What is it in us? And two things, verse seven, where Jesus talks about remain that, that if we remain in him, his words will remain in us. That's, so the first thing is remain in his word. And then the second thing is remain in his love. Verses 9 and 10. So for for growth to take place in us as Christians, we have to have Christ's words have to remain in us. And Christ's love has to remain in us. Let's pull these two apart for a moment. Okay, so the word remain here, um, perhaps you've heard it translated in other uh, Bible translations as the word Abide. Abide in me. That's I think that's the, the ESV translation puts it like that. Um, what it what it the sense that this word uh, brings out in the original language is is a is a sense of of um, of staying. It's a location word. It describes the traveler that comes to a town and and stays in a place, resting. In a place, settling in a place. And so when Christ tells us to remain in his word, he's making two statements in one. D.A. Carson, who's a, who's a Bible scholar, elaborates on this for us when he says, Jesus' words are the all the individual things that he says that together make up his character find this so fascinating and I think the best way to, to communicate this is through the image of an actress or an actor. If you think about if, if you've uh, been in any productions before or, or, or watched uh, any productions before, you know that it's so important, not for, a, for an actor or an actress, just to know the lines. It right? is one thing to just memorize the words, that's important but it's another thing to step into character. And those two are very distinctly different things that come together. Right? So the actress not only learns the lines, but also learns the character. They, they throw themselves into the person that they're going to play. And this happens through reading and reading and reading and reading and reading and reading. And reading. The words, the things, the, the things that this person does the way that they act, the way that they respond in certain situations, as much detail as they can so that when they start acting in this way, that character pulsates through the very words that they speak. Jesus is getting, or Jesus is getting the same thing here. Right? His words are the things that he says. Love your neighbor. But it's also the word The whole thing, all of his words make up his character, and it's his character that we are called to embody. Do we read Jesus like this? Do we read Jesus with the tenacity that an actor reads their character? Tim Keller elaborates on this when he says, what it means to have the Bible dwell in you richly and his words remain in you is to let the Bible address you. To let the Bible argue with you. To let the Bible preach to you. To let the Bible come in and become a part of you. It's a discipline of reflection, of meditation, of memorization, of study it's a way of saying how do i make this part of the way in which i think and breathe and live and look at myself do you hear that holistic language remaining in god's word is a deep commitment to the word having it dwell in us richly is the key to Acting more like Christ. And so going Godward is the discipline of remaining in the Word at all times, especially in times of conflict. This takes place mostly in our personal lives. I was having a conversation with a member of our church a few weeks ago. And we were talking about this, just how, how important it is for us not just to worship together as a community, but to cultivate deep relationships with Jesus on our own. This takes time. And we can't expect to live in very unnatural ways unless we commit ourselves to this kind of devotion. The longer I'm a pastor, the more I realize that everything pulsates comes from a personal commitment to the Word of God. Seeking the face of God every single day. Remain in his word. Think about how you answer these questions. In what ways is the word of God teaching you right now? How is the Bible teaching you? In what ways is the word of God humbling you right now? In what ways is the word of God encouraging you right now and in what ways is the word of god challenging you right now as i read these questions it's it's a good uh, opportunity for us to do reflection and do an inventory how would i answer these questions do i have an instant off the cuff answer or would this are the would these things be hard for me to to think about to know because I really haven't spent much time in God's Word recently. We are people of the Word, the words of Jesus, but also the person of Jesus. This is essential to our growth in Christ. The second thing we are to do is to remain in His love. To remain in God's love is to predominantly see ourselves as loved by God. When Jesus, what Jesus is talking about here is the core of the gospel. We can remain in Christ's love only because in the midst of our brokenness, Christ came into our lives, loved us, poured himself out for us. He humbled himself. He went to the cross. He lived the life we should have, died the death that we deserve. Right? That is... This is what is to remain in us, this knowledge of his love. In every situation, in every conflict, in every moment of the day, you are dearly loved by God. This is something that outweighs everything else in our lives, There is nothing greater There is nothing stronger. There is nothing better. There's nothing more secure than the love of God. Remain in his love. To commit ourselves to uh, to growth, spiritual growth, this idea of, of Christ's love for us cannot stay in our heads. This can't be something that stays in the, oh yeah, I know that that christ loves me it has to sink down deeper into our very being and be something that animates us through our hearts and this is where the cycle comes in okay this is we have to be people who are both committed to remaining in the word and remaining in his love and these two work together but the way that this works, let me give you an example. Okay, so, so you uh, have just gone through a major rejection or a major loss or difficult news or whatever. And it's something that knocks your socks off. Something that is debil- debilitating. You wonder how you will recover. You wonder how you're going to go on with your life. Where do you turn and then you remind yourself, remain in his word. Remain in his love. Go to the scriptures, right? You spend time with God. You eat the words of scriptures. And at the same time, you know that you're so loved and accepted by God. That, that, and you know that he's so committed to you that, that he's got your life. Your life is in his, his hands. You belong body and soul. In life and death to your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And so you go back to the scriptures again with that knowledge. And you read these words. And those words move you to his love. And that that love moves you to his word. And this just drives us deeper and deeper and deeper into identity that's not rooted in ourselves, but is rooted in him. Through the power of the Spirit, that's what changes us. That's how we grow. It's when we experience things in our lives and we go to the Word and we go to His love. This is our baseline, non-negotiable, foundational identity that defines how we respond to every situation in our lives. When we do this, Jesus says, we can expect fruit. The fruit will come. The fruit that Jesus is talking about is the Christ like character that comes to life in us. And you know, as so many of us are aware, this morning the, the CRC's annual synod adopted the, the human sexuality report, made it confessional status, and and in the aftermath of, of this decision, many of us have have experienced grief or sadness or hurt or disappointment. From this decision others of us have have felt a sense of relief so as i address this congregation what i want to say to us is as the pastor of this church i expect you i expect you to be characterized by the kind of relationship that jesus is describing in this passage here today I expect you to be rooted in Christ, going Godward often, seeking spiritual maturity, seeing your whole life as pulsating through the relationship we have with him. I expect that we will affirm our unity in Christ, namely that Christ died for sinners, of whom right? As Paul says, I am the worst. This is all of us, this humble posture. I expect that we will invite God's Spirit to move among us. All of this is characterized through what is before us, the table, the bread, and the cup. If you're a Christian, if you're part of this church, take this differently this morning. Reflect on how this bread and cup makes possible what was impossible. Namely, that through Christ, you have received a supernatural power. A power that forgives what is most sinful about you. A power that heals what is most shameful about you. A power to change what is most unnatural in you. Sit with the bread. Sit with the cup choose to remain in christ friends we can do this we can come to this table not because we are so great but because he is so great right for this for for us we do not remain in christ by anything in our own strength but because he chose to remain in us he came to us he died for us see we can go godward Because he came from heaven into this earth. Descended from heaven, went to the cross. We remain in Christ because he remains with us. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for being a God who loves us so much. Who has given us uh, life through Christ that we can we can know you that we can be in such a a close relationship with you that we can change God help us to uh, to to always be growing to always be um, Seeking you seeking your face humbling ourselves before you going to you through your word remaining in your love God, as we come to the table, prepare our hearts to receive you this morning, to be nourished by you. Father, would you send your Spirit to live among us, to dwell among us, to move among us, that we might be a people characterized by good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of these things that would grow in us as we live with one another. As we seek to listen, to learn, to love. As we seek to be faithful to you in word and in deed. Remain with us, Father. Thank you for Jesus. Amen.